Welcome to Diet Culture Dropout. Are you ready to drop out of the $72 billion narrative that you've been sold? Diet culture sells us lies, unattainable beauty standards, the narrative that your body's inadequate, and dictates how you should define your health. It is pervasive, oppressive, and damaging to all areas of our health. By dropping out of diet culture, we can together celebrate all bodies, work towards dismantling weight stigma, and stop the transgenerational trauma of body shame and dieting. I'm your host, Athena Brown, a non-diet and body-inclusive registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor, yoga teacher, and a mom of two strong-willed daughters. My passion is helping people heal their relationship with their body and food so they can live a full life without restrictions, size limits, or food rules. I also desperately want to change the narrative for our kids so they can be the first generation that never diets, has resilience in our body-obsessed world, and a positive relationship with food. This podcast is a safe space for exploration, mindful moments, and take-home practices for anyone looking to find food peace and body liberation. Please remember that this is for educational purposes only and does not replace medical advice from your primary care provider, therapist, or registered dietitian. I am so happy you're here. I want you to know that wherever you are in your food and body peace journey, that there is room at this table for you. You are so worthy, just as you are right now. Welcome back to Die Culture Dropout. I'm excited to be interviewing a new friend that I just virtually met five minutes before we hit record here. Welcome Kayla Stansberry to Die Culture Dropout. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for being here. So I found Kayla on Instagram. I feel like that's my common line when I'm starting these openings for podcasts. She's at the Fat Positive Therapist. So if you're not following her, this is your cue to go do that. I found her through a colleague. She has really refreshing content on body image, fat positivity, fat liberation, and she's also a mental health therapist as well too. So a very rare gem. So when I found her, I immediately was like, please join the podcast. I want to I wanna share Kayla to the community. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your time and expertise. Like I said, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I just love spreading the word about body acceptance and body image and and, you know, this is how we do it is this is how we get people that information. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So can we maybe get started? I always ask kind of the classic questions. So people kind of get a baseline of who you are, where you're located and how you got into the work that you do on the regular. All right. Well, to sound fancy, I'm Kayla Stansberry, licensed clinical counselor. Um, I'm also a certified intuitive eating counselor <laughs> and I do body image coaching. So a lot of fancy ways to say I'm really passionate about fat liberation and fat acceptance. <laughs> um, my pronouns are she, her. I am white and a um, able body 
and I'm considered a small fat. So if you're not familiar with the fat spectrum, small fat means that I can still probably find some sizing in stores and I can easily fit in certain spaces. So I have a lot more privileges than other people on the body size spectrum. I love buying privileges, sharing kind of what body you're showing up with is, is great to know what this perspective is coming from. Great. And where are you located, Kayla? I am in Maryland in the United States. Uh, so I do, I own a private practice there and I, I work with wonderful women who also do body image work there as a mental health therapist. And then I also do, um, like so the coaching anywhere else. And because you're obviously aware of diet culture and it's problem with being everywhere. <laughs> um, do you have any examples of it coming up more recently for you in your life? Um, and maybe if you feel comfortable sharing that, how you kind of recognized it and was like, Oh, there it is there. It's sneaking into my life too. <laughs> I like to call it insidious. Uh, I feel like it, it's like smoky fog that gets into everything, no matter how long you've done this work. I've been doing this work for quite some time now and there'll still be every season where it'll just kind of like slip on in there. Um, in, and whether it's like a new diet trend or a new uh, type of fashion that's in, it's always kind of the sneaky conversation. And yes. my brain's like, oh wait, you don't ascribe to those rules anymore. But that idea of internalized, you know, anti-fat stigma of, oh, if I'm in a, if I'm in a smaller body, things are easier for me, which socially sometimes they can be. Um, that comes up, I would say, you know, as someone who lives in a larger body, probably one to two times a week. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So no one is immune from it, even doing the work and have done the work kind of on yourself as well, too, it sounds like. Yeah, we get so much uh, feedback from our environment and our environment is, has that same messaging that, you know, fitness is the, the thing that we want to achieve. So if you are, you know, observe, if you're on social media, if you're watching television, if you're doing anything that is engaging with your environment, you are receiving diet culture messages and yeah. value structure messages. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's leading us into today's topic. So kind of wanting to start us off with some steps towards body acceptance. Um, mm -hmm. And before we kind of get in that, I just kind of wanted to say for any listeners listening that, you know, people may be listening at different stages of this body image, body liberation spectrum. So just wanted to say, you know, you're welcome here. You're not alone. Um, it's not a linear process. And like we just spoke, it's not really intuitive in the world and culture that we live in. So hopefully today Kayla can give us some insight of her perspective and some small tangible ways we can start maybe moving along the spectrum journey. I don't really like the word journey, but moving towards body liberation. So to start us off, Kayla, how would you describe what body acceptance is? Uh, body acceptance can kind of be split into two camps, either body positivity, which is something we're, we're more exposed to, um, or body acceptance, body liberation, which is just this idea of this is my body. It's valuable for the things that it does for me, but it doesn't have to meet societal expectations to be valuable. Like I see value in smaller aspects, like being able to breathe or being able to laugh or feel my emotions or all these different things that the body does that we don't consciously think of that goes way beyond what our aesthetics is. Um, and then the body positive movement um, focuses a little bit more around 
liking yourself. And I don't think you necessarily need to be in love with yourself to have a generally okay relationship with your body. You know, you can just be an acceptance like this is my body. This is where we're at. Mm -hmm. I like what it's doing for me. So there's, so like you were saying with the journey, there's so many spaces that you can be at and that be completely fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the end kind of goal would be more that like body liberation places kind of. Yeah. Yeah. The, the goal would be your body not being a part of your value system. So right. how you present to the world is more reflective of how you want to adorn yourself versus how you think you should be adorning yourself. Because the funny part is the longer that you live in this world, the more you see that things just repeat over and over again. So how we're told we're supposed to adorn ourselves changes every five to seven years but yeah. then it starts over again, right? So we're, mm-hmm. we're seeing that happen again. Like the one I like to run with is like middle part versus side part. Like that was a whole thing. And Big side part. <laughs> once, right? Once you, right? Once you've seen it long enough, you're kind of like, wait, this is a game. And it actually has no meaning mm-hmm. other than trying to get people to engage in purchasing things or, so adornment is good. But when you, we want to adorn from like how, what we think is valuable, which may not be societal's expectation of value. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So how do you find when you're working with clients that this process maybe starts unfolding or people get like stuck sticky points? Usually people come to me when like they're realizing that diets aren't working for them, like that they're going back and forth, that no matter how they've manipulated their bodies over time, they've never been happy or satisfied. Uh, So we start to explore what they're absorbing, um, what they're exposed to, the messaging they're getting. I also love to work with people on breaking up childhood messaging. So Mm -hmm. what stories you get about your body when you were younger, you know, which adult around you vocalized a lot of body dissatisfaction? Did your family often shame other people's bodies? Like conversations like that. And you can start to really unearth where a belief system came into play mm-hmm. and where you know, specifically women got, get tied to this notion of, it doesn't matter how successful I am or how good a person I am. It only matters that I am as small as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what that narrative that really that home life culture, that's really bred a lot of those beliefs and values. And then what are some elements would you say that help support people from maybe moving from a stage of, you know, body hate to more of that, like neutrality space, to maybe that acceptance to maybe that liberation, not that it goes in line, but um, that trajectory. (laughs) My favorite star is to um, diversify your feed. So we are receiving messages every day from the radio, from television, uh, from our phones, Instagram, all of it. And it's curated to sell us things. And it's always been this way, but we often never didn't realize it. I think younger generations are getting better to, at realizing when they're being sold things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we curate our feed, we're intentional about who we choose to see and who we don't choose to see. So with Instagram, that means like muting people who are making you feel bad about yourself muting people who are more of the cultural ideal. I I encourage people to mute people for about 30, 60 days that are, are, you know, selling a cultural ideal, like thin whiteness and find people who are in larger bodies and are of different, you know, different diversities, different people of the global majority. uh, So they can realize that that's actually what people look like, not this very small subset that we're getting. Mm -hmm. 
And what that does is it retrains the brain to normalize other body types versus just, you know, if we, if you only watch reality TV, which love it, but if you only watch that, you're getting the same aesthetic over and over and over again. And those aesthetics cost a lot of money. <laughs> they mm -hmm. only exist in usually a, a certain age bracket. So they're impossible to, to, to reach. So you're seeing these as the norm, but you'll probably never get there. Mm -hmm. And that's going to lead to a lot of body dissatisfaction. Absolutely. Yep. So any other tips for making some like baby steps towards a body liberated place for people? I would start, this might be a little bit more challenging, but I do love the idea of getting a little bit more comfortable with the word fat. Uh, and I say this because that word's really jarring to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Reclaiming that word is, is really freeing because if the worst thing that someone can call you is fat and that no longer matters, there's a lot of power in that because this, this thing that we're scared of being called or identified as, if it doesn't mean anything, if it doesn't mean a bad thing. And if you're exposing yourself to fat people who are experiencing joy and success and love, it doesn't equate to a bad thing anymore. That gives you some power that we, a lot of us, I don't think, knew that we could get or obtain because there's a lot of messaging around if you're in a larger body you're not successful like you didn't you couldn't find love you couldn't have a family you couldn't all these things that are untrue because we're not seeing those people do those things so challenging our relationship with the concept of fatness is i think a really good one and also looking at how we're talking about our bodies i would say would be the other one like how are we identifying our bodies to ourselves even like, what are we doing in the mirror? Mm -hmm. Are we going to a mirror with intention? That's a big thing too. I did this whole thing about the fitting room. And if you're trying on clothes, how you should try them on away from the mirror in order to get a physical feeling of how you feel in the clothes and then turn because yes. we have to be in a certain mental health space to be able to perceive ourselves correctly, which means don't look at yourself in a random mirror. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't look yourself in a reflection of a window be intentional about how you want to receive your reflection. I love that. And that's yeah. a, like another way to preserve body image, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're kind of like priming your brain, like before mm -hmm. the image appears to kind of already be in maybe more of a neutral place rather than yeah. straight to negative zooming in on a certain part. I find most people, mm -hmm. right. They see parts of their body, not like their whole body. Yeah. Okay. Any other tips you'd add to other little baby steps to like move along that trajectory? I would try to find some community of other people who don't also want to go on that trajectory. And that can be hard to do, uh, but finding spaces where people don't talk about bodies as a good or bad thing. Um, people who don't talk about dieting, that's a big thing too, because women specifically have been socialized to discuss dieting like as a form of connection with each other. Mm -hmm. So finding people or just creating those boundaries within your friend groups that you don't want to talk about those things. It forces us to talk about other stuff, right? Uh, but it also encourages us to not feeding this, this monster in us that is putting a value structure on thinness or mm -hmm. um, food or uh, judgments on food. Mm -hmm. You know, I shouldn't eat this. It's bad. Or I cheated this yesterday. Like we don't want that kind of conversation because it just serves to continue the narrative that certain, like that being in a larger body is bad. Of course. Yeah. 
And with social media now and the internet, finding community can be a lot more easier to kind of reach now than, you know, if you live in a small town type thing, right? So that's one one pro of turning to social media, I guess, right? We were just talking about curating it, but. <laughs> yeah, definitely has to be very intentional. Uh, I'm also on TikTok and that is a very intentional place as well, where you can follow who you want to follow, but how you engage with its algorithm is how you, is what you get, right? So if you're spending exactly. a lot of time watching videos of younger, thin, white women, then you're, that's what you're going to get. But if you spend your time wanting to engage with p- different cultures, different size individuals, then you're going to get that a lot more. And mm-hmm. it really changes how you perceive the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And with someone maybe that started some of this work or some of those suggestions, how would they know that they're kind of moving to a different um, place towards like their body liberation or the way that they're kind of relating to their body? Like, um, yeah, whether it's behavioral, mental, um, physical, et cetera. I think the, the, one of the big thing you will see is that your body doesn't like the perception of your body isn't contr- like controlling your value. Uh, so con- disconnecting those two, like, okay, I'm not presenting it the way I would want today, but that doesn't mean I'm less valuable than I was mm-hmm. yesterday or, or this morning <laughs> right. is, is having this feeling of disconnection and also maybe emotionally disconnecting from talking about other people's bodies, like feeling like that, oh, that's kind of a bit wrong. I don't really want to do that. It's not very kind, you know, because 70% of our body size, we can't control. Like, so exactly. we only get a 30% control and that's, that's maybe. So people don't have control of their bodies. So if we shame people for their bodies, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. So oh. kind of realizing those things and starting to understand them, I think is a good way to start fighting against this belief system. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, and just, yeah, being less passive, maybe being a little bit, would you say able to kind of like confront, set those boundaries, like you were saying, be a little Mm -hmm. bit more assertive around kind of conversations, dialogues, that kind of stuff as well too, maybe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, being brave enough to tell like your family that you don't want to talk about their diet. Like that's a big one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, And then kind of, we do have a lot of parents that listen to the podcast. So zooming and on them a little bit more. So any kind of specific tips for parents on how they can help this process for their kids and really support more body acceptance uh, within the home and through their actions that they're doing. This is, I love, I love this one. I have three young children. um, And so I think about this all the time. Okay, (laughs) I want to mold them into a world that feels safer for different body sizes. So a big piece of that is I do not have any negative comments on my body in front of them. Or I, I mean, I usually don't in general, but if you're earlier in your journey, a lot of times, you know, you spend time looking in the mirror, making facial expressions like, ugh, ugh, like, oh, pinching, like you know, that whole thing. Your children see that and then they they realize, oh, if if my if mom doesn't like herself, then there's something wrong with me too. Right. So mm-hmm. that modeling is a huge part of it. And it's really hard because as being a parent, you're always on and you always have to be modeling something. But with body image stuff, creating that foundation of not seeing bodies as good or bad is really, really helpful. Um, also, if they use the a word like larger, bigger 
you know, even fat, like not having a visceral response to it. Like, so it's like, oh, your, your tummy is big. And you're like, yep, like it is <laughs> like, it's round. Like let's we're We're describing it instead of a lot of times adults were so like, oh, how dare you? How did, what you, you can't say that, yes. but really they're just being, they're just describing things. And then we're adding this um, big emotional reaction to a neutral word. Exactly. Yeah. They're literally using the word how it was meant to be, right? As a descriptor. Yep. <laughs> oh, I love that. Good. Anything else for parents? <laughs> I also think having a very low judgment around food is really helpful too. Um, whether you have like an open like pantry policy or you just provide, you know, desserts during meal times, things like that, just you want to create a relationship with food where there isn't scarcity, that there isn't foods that are considered good or bad. Anyone who's had toddlers knows that toddlers fixate on a food item for a couple of months and then they'll pick a different one. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how kids are. So normalizing that your kid is not going to sit there and eat like a deliciously portioned meal. Like they're going to just do their best and not making too much of a worry about that. Trusting them, trusting them mm-hmm. that they know their body. They know when they're hungry, they know when they're full and that time and time again, I've seen it happen where like halfway through a, a food item that maybe adults would struggle to listen to their bodies about, my kids will walk away because they're full and they don't want it anymore. Yeah. We've had that opportunity to have it in a neutral place and just leave it if, mm-hmm. if their fullness signals telling them. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. All right. So in summary, is there anything else you want listeners to know about body acceptance, Kayla? I think it's just about challenging ourselves, challenging our understanding. You know, if we're struggling about this idea of health, uh, we have to also remind ourselves that uh, just because you're in a larger body doesn't mean you're unhealthy. And just because you're in a thin body doesn't mean you are healthy. And, And health also isn't attainable by everybody. It's something that is it's kind of a privilege to have because you have to be born in an able body to get there. And then you have to do these rigid things to maintain it. So anyone who has like a chronic illness or are struggling with a disability, they don't ever get to reach this like moral understanding of health. Mm-hmm. So another thing we can challenge ourselves on is if we're putting health on like a, a pedestal, that means that we are accidentally being in, like, only identifying certain born body types as valuable in every capacity. And that is also really problematic because some people will never reach our understanding of health and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Or it might not even be a priority for them as well too. Like no yeah. one owns anyone health, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love that. But it's not a priority at all to, it doesn't have to be a priority to be healthy. You don't need to seek that in order to be valuable in the world. Like say you want to just like live your life, (laughs) enjoying the things you want to do without any intention of these areas. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's, Mm -hmm. it sounds honestly kind of nice. (laughs) People are choosing to live their life without obsessing about external measurements of health. That probably is healthier. I would imagine than our hyper fixation and understanding of, of health. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it would be, helpful to question why we are so fixated on valuing people who who work out or who eat a certain lifestyle like why are they somehow more impressive so in closing what would you say is the single most protective action someone can take to protect themselves from diet culture i would say watching what you are 
absorbing. You know, when I was younger, the radio, they didn't like was like the big place, which makes me sound like super, like a lot older than I am. But I feel like the radio isn't as controlled as it was as it is now. And if someone is a radio jock is selling you something, you don't know about it. You just think that that's something that they like. And I feel like that was the biggest place that I got a lot of messaging about you know, laser hair removal and all these different things. Yes. Right. So being really intentional about that and realizing that these people are selling you something that even on TikTok, we are scrolling or Instagram and you're scrolling, they're selling you something because advertising capitalism is a big part of a lot of, a lot of the world. Right. So if they're selling you something, you probably should question what they're selling you. <laughs> exactly. What is that hidden motive? Yeah, what's the hidden motive? What do they want me to do? Uh, and also does it work? Like things like Weight Watchers or, you know, keto or any of these big diets like that have been around for a while, they don't really work. And so if they're selling me this lifestyle, they just want me to pay for their program. I was saying just it's a, in summary, just being critical of what messaging you're receiving. Mm-hmm. I love it. And then for people that have kids or little people in their lives, what's one way that they can kind of protect them from diet culture? I will say that my favorite is making sure that you're modeling body neutrality. Even if you don't personally like your body, just making sure that you're not saying anything negative about your body in front of them. Another one I will add a bonus, if you will, um, is watch is being cautious of kids shows because there's so many children's shows that are insanely fat phobic. And you're like, why is this in here? Like, why yes. are we judging this? cartoons body and I mean one specifically Peppa Pig that one is awful and I you wouldn't expect it because they're a family of pigs why would that be why would there be fat phobia in that but there is it's in Mm -hmm. every component of it they they make fun of that dad so much and you just don't think of that because the kid shows are safe but there's a lot of diet rhetoric in there and there's a lot of value systems around bodies in kids shows yes that's a rule in our house we're not we're not allowed to show Peppa Pig (laughs) There was another one that I just saw too that I think is a Disney movie, the Trolls one. Have you seen that one? Yeah, yeah. And the one I forget all their names, but the one like King Troll, he was gonna go on a date with that other lady troll, and he immediately was like hopping on the treadmill and said like I have to lose twenty thirty pounds. And oh it's like the gosh, date's tomorrow, right. and I was just like, what? I remember seeing that. And being like, why? Like, why did that have to happen? Like, this it, di- it didn't need it. Like, it, there was all like, there's another gnome Disney show that did the same exact thing. It's, it's in most shows at least a little bit where you see yeah. this, this discussion, or you at least see characters who are in larger bodies viewed in more negative light or clumsy or comedic relief. Yes. Uh, but I remember seeing that in the trolls one and being like, why? Like, why did we have to just tell someone that if they were to go on a date with someone, they would need to make their body smaller to be valuable? Yes. Like, that's a that's a rough message that these kids get. And then they bring that into their understanding of themselves and their understanding of other relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that one. Ah, okay. So where can <laughs> listeners find you, Kayla, and learn more about the work that you do? I am out and about on the internet. Uh, so I, <laughs> my Instagram is fat positive therapist. I also have TikTok at fat positive therapist. I'm a little bit more like that one's a little more fun because TikTok is a little bit more fun of a place. Uh, but I often post stuff about 
you know, baby steps to body acceptance, like where fat phobia comes from, fat trauma, I work on fat activism, stuff like that. Uh, so that is where you will find me. <laughs> Amazing. And then I'll, I will link those in the show notes and also your two websites as well, too. Oh, yes. Um, if you're local in Maryland, intuitive growth counseling is my private practice. Um, and if you are anywhere else, uh, Body Image with Kayla is the website, and that is uh, my coaching service. So if you are interested in doing some of that work, but you want some assistance, um, I usually I provide coaching to help challenge that internal negative voice about body image. And we also work on, I also work with people on intuitive eating as well within that program. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and expertise and sharing space and all of your knowledge on this topic. Really appreciate it, Kayla. Thank you so much for having me. It was a really, really fun chat. I hope you enjoyed listening to Diet Culture Dropout. If you like today's podcast, I would love for you to leave a review, share the episode with a friend, or subscribe. The more we can collectively break down diet culture, the closer we get to food peace and celebrating all bodies. Thanks for being here. Thank you.